Welcome to the Comics Corner, everybody. I am John, uh, and uh, the normal usual suspect, Matthew Klein, is not here today. But I have with me one of our favorite people in the world, actor extraordinaire, the wonderful, the magnificent, Matteo Irvin. Welcome. Thank you. I, it was such an introduction. That's so what kind. we're here for. I was trying to think of other <laughs> M words, and I was like, melodious magnificent i was trying mm. to just kind of go with the flow there mellifluous i like there we go mellifluous that's what we're going to go with from mm. now on uh, i would like you to legally <laughs> change your name please yes absolutely <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us thank you for being a guest here on the comics corner um and the last couple of guests that we have had have been real comics people but you are not. So can you tell us a little bit about your background with comics? Uh, um, and then I'm, I think I have a couple of other questions to surprise you with, but we'll go from there depending on what your answers are. Sweet, yeah. I uh, Growing up, I would always read the Sunday funnies uh, and also every other day's funnies. So that was my first comics experience was, uh, and my, my dad is a great collector of um like Foxtrot, uh, what a Bloom County, all the Garfields, of course. Um, so that was my main comic experience. And then in college, I had a roommate who had the entire Sandman collection. He had Red Sun. Um, he had uh, a bunch of Alan Moore that I kind of like dipped my toes into and had a very fun time. I read Watchmen for the first time in college. Um, but that was pretty much the extent of it. After, after that, I, uh, I've I've dabbled in a couple of graphic novels, but never actually the 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 like paper trade comics because um, it always seemed too intimidating to get into. Okay, so actually, I I want to stay on this one for one second before we get into the books that we're actually going to talk about. What do you think it is that is intimidating about paper comics? Because I know you are a huge fan of Brandon Sanderson. Um, I think George R. R. Martin and the Game of Thrones series as well. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of curious because those are a commitment. Yes. Um, so I'm sort of wondering what what was it do you think about comics that sort of you were like, you know what, I can't make that same commitment. I think it's um, I think it's a couple things. Um, for one, the the paper I'm I, I tend to be hard on my possessions. Like I if I if I have a book, then I will read it 18 times until it's ragged and paper comics tend to tear a little easier than regular books. Um, but also I, I love like big doorstopper fantasy novels where I can start it and just uh, live in that world for about a month and then finish it as opposed to the little drops. I, I don't know. I just get nervous that I'll miss an issue and that'll, that'll ruin the entire thing for me, um, which is a nonsense statement that doesn't make any sense. That's, that's born out of my own neuroses. Um, but I, I, I think it might just be, yeah, the, uh, the, the completionist factor. I, I feel like I need to, I, I, I like to know where, where it's ending so that I can do the whole thing, which as you may have noticed with George R. R. Martin is not paying off particularly well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm assuming we'll get one more book. 
We'll see I, if everything wraps up. Ooh, a year ago, I would have assumed. At this point, I don't know. <laughs> you never know. You never know. I, I think he probably has three more finished. He's just like, oh, let them wait. Mm, um, yeah, that's yeah. That's my guess. But um, so, yeah. So I do want to talk about that for one second, only because I think it is a common um, fear, especially because um, I know Mateo and I play Dungeons and Dragons together mm-hmm. um, when we when we are able. And I know that there is this sort of completionist thing that happens, I think with all nerddoms in some way, whether it's sci-fi or horror or uh, fantasy, or even, uh, you know, with Matthew, his, his pro wrestling, there's sort of this, you know, FOMO. Um, did I use that yeah. word correctly? Yeah. Fear of missing out? I think I yeah, used that no. correctly. I think, that's I think that it. there is a fear of missing out, but I do want to just, especially, um, with the holidays coming up, I do want to just say that your that's what your local comic uh, store is there for. They are there to make sure that you don't miss out, whether that's subscribing or whether that's just asking one of the people there, I think I missed an issue. What happened? You will get uh-huh. a 20-minute dissertation on what happened <laughs> and you will never feel like you missed anything. So uh-huh. don't worry. <laughs> um, however... One of the books that we, we chose to talk about two books today. Um, The first one that I would like to go into is Elf Quest by Wendy and Richard Peeney, which started in 1978 and is still ongoing. So there is a whole lot of doorstopper books there. Yeah. Um, We really only did the first cycle. Again, I'm going to hold this up and I know that we're only dealing with a non- visual medium, but I still feel the need to do that. Um, There's all sorts of different editions out there. Um, We started kind of with the classic. Um, And uh, yeah, so tell me a little bit kind of going into this, because I think that there are some things that I will talk about as far as the differences in writing, because the other one that we did is much is very modern. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one that we did is very classic. So there's a lot of words. There are a lot of words in this one. Yeah. Um, did you have any trouble kind of getting into it? Uh, n- did I? I guess a little bit um, initially. It definitely was more words, and it was much more dense than the other one. Um, but uh, uh, I guess I, I read the first chapter uh, two times through just to make sure that I got it and was understanding it. Um, and once I read it the second time, I was like, okay, this, I can see where this is going. This is interesting. So it, it didn't, it didn't push me off too much, I would say. Okay. That's good. I, I was, <clears throat> the reason that I had recommended this one is that your love of fantasy um, and our mutual love of Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. But also I think that this is something that I think this is a book that doesn't necessarily get some of the credit that it deserves um, sort of in the wider mainstream. It's very much to me um, like the X-Men in the mm. sense that there's very much this metaphor of, of prejudice and different groups of people coming together um, and realizing that they have more in common than less in common. Um, I will say for me, because my first experience of this was a novel that oh. was released. That is one of those things that I think I probably like threw away or gave away. And now it's going for a huge amount of money on Amazon. Um, <laughs> stupid, stupid I'll me. Laugh. Just keep everything that you've ever purchased in your entire life. Um, That's what I do. 
<laughs> and I have lots of room for things in my yes. one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> uh, but to me, I didn't really get into it until they met, until they, the Wolf Riders met mm. the, uh, the Sun Elves. So um, what was kind of your, when you were, when you were getting into it, <clears throat> did it, was it something that kind of picked up for you right away? Or did you have the same experience I did where I was like, oh, this suddenly became much more involved because it wasn't one, it wasn't elves versus humans. It was suddenly right. the merging of two very different, but very similar cultures. Yeah. I would say, um, the, the first thing that grabbed me was the image in the first few pages of a, a castle plopping down in the middle of a, a bunch of Neanderthals or, or Stone Age men. Um, that was just so gripping. I was like, oh, well, I have to be invested now. Um, I think what really drew me in was when we first met the trolls. Um, the, because it had been solidly like uh, very, very fantasy. And then the first time we meet them, there's this metal plate hidden behind a boulder and a bunch of clockwork mechanisms. Uh, and then you have these weird, lumpy-looking trolls that are uh, j honestly just kind of funny and silly and ridiculous. Um, and having the elves and the trolls kind of clash against each other was really interesting and gripping. And that's when I realized, oh, okay, we're going to see this group of elves encounter multiple other groups, maybe humans, maybe other uh, fantasy creatures. Um, so that's what really dragged me in. I would say the when they when they encountered the uh, the the sun elves, mm -hmm. um, yeah that that was when we started to get that fun interpersonal mixing uh, mixing, especially with Lita. Um, and so by then I was completely sold. I was surprised by how taken I was with this with this series. Oh, good. Now if you, so, as per usual, I didn't say this at the beginning. Spoiler alert about oh. so just be aware of that. Everybody, Apologies. I'm sure everybody who's listening who listens to this by now knows. Um, but the thing that if, if you continue with this series, there the trolls actually come back in a much larger way. Um, really? As well as I think um uh, I, th I want to say like three or four other tribes of elves. I I read past where you recommended. Um, okay. Because you said uh, you didn't have to read past until Sayek or Sayek left, I believe. Uh, Rayek, yeah. Rayek, thank you. Apologies if I'm not pronouncing that correctly according to other other comic nerds out there. Uh, and apologies if I don't remember names because I'm garbage with names. Um, but I, I read, uh, spoilers, spoilers, until they returned back to where the forest was. Um, oh, yeah. And so I got to re-encounter the trolls, and that was that made me very happy. I was glad to see them back. Yeah. Um, and they continue to play a, a very, very big part in it. There's, I don't want to spoil, I don't want to spoil it for you in case you decide you want to continue. Um, I love this sort of, um, because it's kind of fascinating. It's it's very much like human culture in a way, in the sense that everybody kind of came from this one place, but depending on where you end up, there's all these sorts of different traditions and some people are longer lived and some people were more um, uh, aggressive and much more into nature and much more into this sort of uh, living life as best you can, grabbing the, the sort of pleasures and the, uh, the um, uh, joys of life while you can, as opposed to the sun folk who are a little more passive, a little more able to kind of do their thing. Um, 
And I'm not going to lie, I think one of the reasons that I really enjoy this is I love a good romance. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Did, were you kind of, I know there were people who were not rooting for Cutter and Lita to get together and there were sort of, did you, uh, did you fall as, as foolishly and hard as I did? <laughs> I will admit I was initially team Rayak. I was like, who is this Cutter guy? Who does he think he is coming in here? He grabbed her off the ground, put her on his back, rode off on Wolfback and he thinks he can win her over. But the chemistry, the, what was it? The recognition, I believe yeah. they called it. Uh, it, uh, and it was just, uh, it was allowed to develop so naturally over so many trials and tribulations. And I was like, oh, okay, Cutter. Okay, Alita. I get this now. Uh, and <laughs> so it, it won me over in the end. Yeah. And it was interesting. One of the things that sort of fascinated me, this is probably going to be very heavy Lita focused conversation for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, but I love the idea that when she was talking to, uh, Sava about what kind of mother she would be. And mm -hmm. she was like, well, I'm not going to devote my entire life to my family because I, to my children, because partially because both elves sort of had this very communal kind of, it takes a village type of thing. But um, also I liked the idea of her saying how much she wanted her own freedom. And mm -hmm. then pretty much, I think the next page later, she was, well, why, why is Dushine, why is this young girl going to you know, it's not a maiden's place to go on this giant hunt. Mm -hmm. And Dushine's sort of like, well, don't you know your own mind, Lita? Of course it's my place to do it. I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And this sort of dichotomy that we each have. Um, I think that there's all there's not always room in comics for sort of dichotomous characters, mm -hmm. because I think we all look for character through lines of, well, if you're angry on page one, you should be angry on page 45. Mm -hmm. And I, I like the subtleties of um, really taking, uh, especially a conversation about women mm -hmm. um, into this idea of, oh, I have this traditional idea of what I should be and yet it's really not what I want. Right. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And how um, I think even, even later on, they're talking about how, um, uh, how she craves that freedom um, as she's leaving to go and join him. Mm -hmm. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Um, and, and they talk about, yes, yeah, she's tasted of uh, his risk, or she's tasted from the cup of his risk, and we mm -hmm. suspect she will not return until she's drained the whole cup. Um, so she's finding those others er other areas of freedom as well within the wolf tribe, the wolf riders. Yeah, yeah and, I, and she, you know, I, I think she will... I love that conversation very, or, uh, well, actually it's very late because it's almost, I think, to the end of where you, you read um, mm -hmm. the conversation that she has with uh, Nightfall about, I didn't think I was going to miss him because I'm so yeah. much longer lived than him. Yeah. And now it's only been, you know, he was only going to be gone a year. That's nothing. But now I sort of miss that. I also, excuse me, because Cutter and Lita are recognized, which means that there's an instant sort of soul connection. But yeah. I love the fact that there are other characters in there, uh, and I'm thinking of Red Lance and Nightfall, who are not recognized, but who still have that same love and devotion. It doesn't sort of, oh, it doesn't yeah. sort of say, this is the only way to fall in right. love. Right, yeah. 
And I also, it was really interesting how many other people, when they heard about Lita's recognition, they said, oh, that sounds so awful. You didn't have any choice in the matter. And she said, no, I absolutely did. And I, I put him off. It, it was uh, an interesting, because um, that could be such a, a, a problematic fantasy trope. Um, mm-hmm. And for, for something that was published in 1978, that's, I don't know, doing more than I thought I would with it. Yeah, yeah. There's... Um... There are definitely some things in here uh, that I think are very 70s, which is looking at it, I think a contemporary person who, a contemporary, a young person such as yourself who would look Mm -hmm. back at it and I am not a young person, I am an old person. Um, But looking at it, I I do think there are parts that are sort of overwritten. I was Mm. like, because the art is so beautiful. I'm Mm. like, yeah, I get it from the art. I don't need a caption to tell me what's happening which mm-hmm. I think is a very contemporary sensibility. If you come back and read modern comics, there's decompressed storytelling, which means, you know, sort of fewer words. I don't yeah. always necessarily think that's a good thing because um, I am a very wordy person, as anyone who listens to this podcast <laughs> knows. Um, uh, but I, uh, yeah. So, um, sorry, I just went off on some weird thing. Did it, was it confusing for you at all? Because they do sort of flip back and forth in history in this one. Mm-hmm. Did you find any at any time it sort of threw you off? Uh, I don't think so. I think I was able to track most of the the flips back and forth. And I thought that was um, uh, uh, when we got to meet um, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers the the humans that stumble upon the the Sun Village. Mm-hmm. Um, the way they talk about the elves too, as like these monsters who brought all these terrible things with them, uh, how they were the ones who created the, uh, the terrifying jaguar snake beast that we encounter. The mad coil is what mad it was coil, called. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe it had mentioned it earlier. I didn't realize that was an elven creation or at least the result of elven magic. Um, so that automatically, I, I, I don't know that, that immediately opened up the, the moral spectrum for me in terms of, oh, okay. So we're going to get a little more, a little more gray in here with regards to the humans. Yeah. And it gets grayer and grayer as you go along. Um, Uh If you continue with the series, you will see that there, um, there is another recognition that is not pleasant for anybody. Mm. There are, um, there's all sorts of talk about uh, just because you can do something should you actually do something, mm. especially mm-hmm. in terms of magic and the supernatural. Um, what I do think is interesting, and this will lead us into the, the second book in a, in a minute, but what I do think is kind of interesting is that in, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because you probably read a lot more fantasy than I do. Um, there's no sort of sort of religious hierarchical kind of explanation in this. It's just sort of magic exists and these people use it. Mm -hmm. And I, it's interesting because in a lot of the stuff that I have read, there is this sort of um, uh, belief in higher powers and and sort of religious uh, ceremonies that do go along with magic. And I'm thinking specifically, because the last thing that I read was, book four of of game of thrones so i'm thinking yeah. sort of melisande in there and this idea of 
of sacrifice and this is what the Lord of Light is telling me and all that kind of thing. But you read more fantasy than I do. So do you find that that happens with magic? I hadn't really thought of it that way, but yeah, that absolutely is um, looking at like uh, uh, the the main ones that I can think of are R.A. Salvatore's Dritz to Erden books growing up. Um, and those are in the Forgotten Realms, the Dungeons and Dragons realms. And those even go through a whole time of troubles in which the gods are displaced from the plains uh, and have to wander uh, as as mortals. And that messes up the entire continuity of magic and causes irreparable damage. And then, I mean, Brandon Sanderson, he everything he writes has to do with some kind of higher power imbuing those magics. But here, I guess... You have the humans in the beginning, they talk about Goltar, and that's about it. I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, the 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 magic is completely divorced from any kind of higher power other than like their ancestors or the the elves who the the highborns, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the reason I they sort of one of the reasons that that came to me is um as per usual, I was rereading Wonder Woman the ah. other day, and there's this very uh, there's a book that Greg Rucker wrote where uh, the Hecatea, where she's talking about where she comes from. Religion is just this sort of, uh, I think she says religion breathes every day in my life. It's very much a part of my life. It's very much a part of growing up. Um, but in patriarch's world, man's world, it sort of always has to creep in through the meta- metaphorical back door. And it's kind of interesting to me that one of the things that I think sci-fi fantasy does really, really well um, that maybe can't happen in other genres is a a talk about higher power and how Mm -hmm. belief and faith affects us, um, whether someone has it or has rejected it, how that affects our views of the world. Um, And I I think science fiction and fantasy do that really, really well maybe mm-hmm. because it's so divorced from the reality that we know because we are science-based humans, uh-huh. um, a science-based society. Um, I make no claim about whether I, I, you know, I am a science-based human. I don't think it's difficult if you listen to anything that I've written for <laughs> uh, The Cruelest Month or anything, uh-huh. any of these conversations that I am very much a science-based person. Um, but. I find it fascinating um, uh, that it seems almost, this is the only way we can have these conversations, if that makes sense. We have to have them metaphorically. We can't have them in life. Yeah. It's hard to have them in life because those inspire arguments. (laughs) Um, I have family in town right now, and we're doing everything we can to talk in only metaphors (laughs) because that's the best way to avoid that argument. Um, yeah, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, uh, it's, it's interesting because I remember, I think I told this story once before, but I remember, um, uh, I'm probably going to get in trouble for saying this. Oh, well, <laughs> I think only one of my sisters listens to this and my father doesn't. So I'm assuming uh-huh. that we probably won't have to deal with that conversation, uh, over the holidays this year. But I remember <laughs> coming out to my mother. And I remember mm. the first thing she said to me was, do you still go to church? And I mm. had that moment of fear. And she said, I just want you to know that the leader of our church is not the Pope, it's Jesus. And if someone tells you that God doesn't want you to love, they're incorrect. 
And it was a sort of interesting thing. Yeah. Because until I'd had that conversation with her at 25, I kind of always assumed that it was very much, this is what these religious people are telling you. And that's what mom believes. It never mm. occurred to me that she would have differences of opinion with them. And I don't know why that was. Uh-huh. Anyway, that was far <laughs> too personal. And we're just going to... No, thank you for sharing. <laughs> well, thank you for, for putting up and listening to me. Um, okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit um, about uh, the other book. And I'm going to tie this in. I promise I'm going to tie this in. Autumn Lands Tooth and Claw. Um, volume one, it's by Kurt Busiek, who's one of my favorite writers, and mm. art by Benjamin Dewey, put out by Image Comics. Um, spoiler alert, the series is not ended yet. Um, so uh, we'll go into that in one second. But again, sort of going into it, there is very much another a religious element in this because mm. it starts out with the sort of, uh, what is he, the, the obeyances? Yeah, uh, Dusty doing the, Dusty. what was it, 32, 37, 30 something. Yeah. Very um, devoted. But I mean, it literally, yeah, it literally starts with him sort of rising and saying his prayers for the day, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason that I recommended this one is one, it's another science fiction fantasy, but two, you'd also said you like anthropomorphic stories. I do, yes. I, I grew up uh, devouring the Brian Jake's Redwall series. Um, over and over and over. They just, uh, for whatever reason, that captured my imagination more than almost any other series that I read at that age. Um, and so I, I just, anytime I encounter small animals uh, wearing armor or with swords or dressed up like princesses like that, I, I, I will throw money at that immediately. Excellent. So now you know how to get money out of Mateo. Any, it's any writers so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Put a squirrel in a bonnet and I'm there. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. I enjoy it in literature, but not in my Christmas cards. If oh. someone sends me a Christmas cards of bunnies caroling, it's, I don't know why. I'm just always like, please stop sending me these cards. But in fiction, I love it. Well, now you know how to annoy John at Christmas. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah. Now, I was reading, I was rereading this the other day. I'd read it years and years ago when it came out, years and years ago, probably like 10 years ago when it came out. Um, but I was rereading it in prep for this. And I was sort of struck. And I, I think this book is very relevant today because I'm sort of like, these metaphors are very thin. Yeah, these metaphors yeah. are the idea yeah. of using up your natural resources without, and I, without understanding where they come from. Yeah. depending upon them without thinking with the thought that they're always going to be there for you. Um, I don't know if this was just an early sort of talk about um, climate change and natural resources and global warming and all of that, or if it just uh -huh. happened to it, or maybe I'm just reading a metaphor in it. Did you get the same impression? Oh, very much so. I, I got that. The I think for me, the the class warfare between mm -hmm. Seven Scars and Dusty's dad was very evident. And the way that that backfired on all the, the magicians or the, the wizards. Um, but yeah, when, when was this one written? I guess I didn't, I assumed uh, it was, was very I recent. This was 2000 and 
uh, I want to say it was 2008, but let me make sure okay. I'm right on that one. It was, was, I'm looking this up right now. It was 2015, actually. Oh, so it okay. was not that long ago. Okay. Yeah. It felt very prescient. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't feel it was heavy handed. I just no. think it was thin. Yeah. Did you feel the same way? Very much so. No, it, it felt well done. It didn't, it, it did not feel condescending or like it was talking down to me. It was just like, oh, okay, I'm able to follow this. Yeah. Um, and I love the sort of, I love the fact that he not choose a, a sort of lead character who was one of the wizards and one of the, the people sort of entrenched in the society, someone who was so, but he chose someone who was born into it and living in it, but not so much a part of it, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, one thing I did love about this is sort of the way that it, as you said, it, it's, there's a lot in there about class, but it's sort of interesting that, um, and again, spoiler alert, um, when they are talking about the great champion, sort of each tribe kind of takes them as their own and sort of how yeah. we take um, you know, very universal stories and we change them into ourselves. And yeah. I, yeah. It's almost like a hero with a thousand faces where oh. it's like in, because in every major religion, sort of going back to Greek mythology in every major religion, there is a giant flood and a great devastation sort mm -hmm. of in every hero, there is a, um, uh, I mean, there's really only one story, which is hero overcomes right <laughs> stuff um yeah. but how we we kind of make each thing of of our our own and then out pops this completely different thing a human that they have never mm -hmm. seen before and no fur no feathers no tail no um no kind of thing um i do one thing that i do want to talk about which i think is really interesting was sort of the tagline on the back which is they wanted a savior and they ended up with a soldier and I'm not sure how in the long term, when I look at where the story, because I read the second volume, and again, like I said, the story isn't over. I don't know if we'll ever see the end of the story, hopefully. But um, until I see where it wraps up, I'm not sure how I feel about this savior being a soldier and it being so much about kind of a, a warrior approach. And yeah. I'm wondering how you felt about that. I, this one made me sad um like <laughs> oh no. I don't, elf quest was it it had like sad moments um and i uh it, it but then i don't know it felt like it would return to a place that was kind of uplifting this one started sad and then got sadder and then at the very end it got saddest um mm -hmm. and it feels like that warrior's approach worked but in, in kind of a monkey paws way um, it worked, but at the most, uh, at, at, with the worst possible toll that it could have taken upon everyone. Um, so I, I wonder if it'll continue to explore that of how the way of the soldier, the way of the human, which I guess all of these animals were emulating already. They had that same kind of, uh, at least a lot of the wizards that we encountered had this very like 
vicious, ambitious uh, uh, need, desire to get ahead, and that same, uh, well, I say animalistic, but like tribal mentality of, yes, the, the champion will be our creature. Um, and then the human comes along and says, oh, <laughs> let me show you how it's done, and then mm-hmm. blows up everything. Spoilers. Um, uh, it made me so sad. <laughs> Oh dear, I broke Mateo's heart. I'm so sorry. No, no, no. Sometimes sometimes it's good to be made sad by literature. <laughs> um Yeah. Yeah. There I you know, you sort of don't want to think we um and this goes back to the book. Oh gosh, it'll come to me in a minute. I'll I'll get to mm-hmm. it in a minute. But there is a this sort of feeling that um uh, Sapiens, that's the book I'm thinking of. Um, you sort of don't want to think that war is the first answer, the last answer, and the route we should go. Um, and I I don't think that this, I don't really, I really don't believe that this is saying that that is the way to go, but I think that there is something about it. You almost don't want to read. Sometimes you have to do these things. Yeah. And it just was like, Oh, yeah, it was. It was sad. I think I thought of it more as this sort of, I, I don't want to say cultural indictment, because I, I don't think that that's what Busek was saying with it. But there is some some of that in there, I think. Right. And there is, I guess there is like a need to fight. It was just the, I, I and we kind of got that reaction from Dusty um, when he, spoilers, collapsed the mountain on top of Seven Scar's army. He said he didn't even give them a chance. We didn't know that they were there. That was his first resort was to jump to genocide. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And it, I don't know, I I, I would like to hope that there's not a middle ground, but maybe something even further away from genocide that is the proper solution. Oh, sad. Um, And I I think... I think looking at Dusty's growth from where he is sneaking out with uh, Leroy um, and they come across the the bison village and mm-hmm. they slaughter the child who is yes. who is trying to kill them. Um, and again, we are talking broad metaphors. We are not saying that anyone thinks that genocide is a good thing, just right. so everybody is clear oh, yeah. on that. Um, but there is something that's interesting sort of going from it, you know, having to do something to save your life because an individual is attacking you and then having to jump to the point of, um, of a sort of um, not entirely justified because when you think about how unfairly the seven scars and his tribe had been treated, yes. um, but not being able to find a mutual ground to be able to have a conversation to where you can begin to heal those rifts is really fascinating. Yeah. And And um, the way it was, I mean, I, the, the, the bison had my sympathy from the very beginning. I was rooting for them as soon as they'd been screwed over by Dusty's dad. Um, And so to find myself not, not sure of who to cheer for in that moment was, uh, uh, felt a little naked, like, ah, okay, I don't, somebody tell me who's the good guy here. Yeah, and maybe that, and maybe that is the point. Um, you know, 
fighting has certainly gotten more, um, and I, I'm, I'm gonna flip the conversation and not talk about yeah. actual war, but talk about, you know, culture war and how we survive, how we deal with each other on a less warlike level and more of an interpersonal level. Sometimes there is, you know, it's sometimes it's okay to say you disagree with someone, but they still have a point. And it mm -hmm. feels like maybe that's the point of the story that we jump to these, these condemnation of all solutions instead of saying, okay, I see your point. I disagree with it. Here's mm -hmm. why. And, and the back and forth. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I did uh, on, on a different note. I loved Goodfoot the the fox trader who rode in on on the spider they were they just had such panache yes Even uh, if been, who was that what's the character from um falstaff uh is it reynard or something yeah oh yes i think so yeah um poor foxes why do foxes always get screwed over in, in anthropomorphic stories that happens in redwall too the 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 foxes are coded as this evil um kind of a uh and one of the problems with the whole brian jake series is like the rats are inherently evil stoats and mice are inherently evil the foxes are encoded as kind of like a romani peoples with dark magics that will do anything for the bad guys but i don't yeah i don't know why foxes always get the bad the bad turn i guess because they slaughter chickens probably um, poor foxes if you ever yeah. want to see a good fox just look up juniper the fox who laughs she's juniper, very cute the fox who laughs i will look that up yes she was a little she was i think she was abandoned um by her mother and she was taken in by this woman who has a like an animal sanctuary um and there's all sorts of things about you know like oh she goes through you know she because she tries to root into the mattress and into the oh. into the couch so there's a lot of it's a lot of Poor destroyed furniture in, in no. Juniper's house. <laughs> yeah. Um, but she's very adorable. I do want to take a second to talk about the design of Autumn Lands because mm. I think the, um, I, I love how sort of each, uh, each tribe, each creature from the warthog to the giraffe to the seals to the dog, kind of everybody has their own, um, their own beautiful design. And I, I would like to just, uh, Shout out to Benjamin Dewey, the artist for that. The art in actually in both of these books was beautiful. Yeah. I would like prints of either of them. It is really, would, really stunning to me. Um, I think uh, even though he, the, 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 I can't remember his name, but the owl magistrate, I loved his outfit, the big sweeping cloak. Oh yeah. That was the sand, sand, sand sword or something like that. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, Sandor, Sandor, Sandor. Yep. Yes. Um, uh, but I did. The reason that I recommended these two is because I think that there are things that um, that are in both that kind of are that not kind of that are very literary. Um, and I know that you are a big reader and you are very smart, so that was oh. the reason that I I recommended these these ones to you. Um, so let, let me ask a question about Autumn Lands first, even knowing that it is not complete yet, like mm -hmm. Game of Thrones, the Game of Thrones series, is mm -hmm. this something that you think you would continue on to sort of see where the story goes? I think two weeks ago, I would have said no. 
because uh, two weeks ago is when I read it for the first time. And then I, I came back and I like went through it again. Um, and I, I want to see where it's going. Two weeks ago, I was just sad. Um, <laughs> uh, and because it, it, it's kind of like I, uh, I was like, oh, look, it's a bunch of cute little animals uh, that are going to be running around a sky village. Um, and so once my expectations had had shifted to meet the material in front of me, I think I would continue reading this. Okay, excellent. There are two volumes out, um, and uh, some of the questions that we talked about today do actually continue uh, mm-hmm. in the next volume that I think you'll mm-hmm. find really interesting um, because it also brings in um, mechanics and the idea of what technology does societally. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that you'll find that really, really interesting. Um, but again, doesn't exactly end so don't expect a resolution um uh and now ElfQuest, you said you already continued is this something where you think you're going to keep going i i yes that's one where i i started it um at the beginning of this week and i've been reading it all the way through um and i am going to continue reading it after this so yes <laughs> yes Excellent. i will okay so you feel like I made some good recommendations for you. I wasn't too far I, off the mark. I feel like you made some great recommendations. Excellent. So I'm going to, I want to circle back to a question that we asked. I think actually it was the first question that, that we talked about. Um, did, did books like these at all change your kind of expectations? Because you've been involved with Don't Sue Us Please kind of from the beginning and you've been involved mm-hmm. in some of the superhero stuff as well as the stuff that we've done for Cruelest Month. Um, and I, uh, I think most people's first thoughts about comics is superheroes, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Captain America, all of that, you know. Um, yeah. Did this kind of shift some of those expectations for you? Did it shift some thoughts about comics and what they can and can't do and do do? Do yeah. do. <laughs> I'm do sorry, do. I had to do that. I'm sorry. That <laughs> yeah, was I would very say. <laughs> I didn't get much sleep last night. I had a very strange dream. So. Oh, absolutely. I want to hear about that dream. Um, I, I would say um, I, I really, yeah, Autumn Leaf was very interesting, and I would continue reading it. ElfQuest is the one that really captured me. Um, and I, I, like I said, even the, the Sandman series, that's basically a superhero. It's kind of a woogity-woo superhero narrative, but it's still a superhero narrative. This mm-hmm. one was solidly fantasy, and that was really interesting to see represented in a in a graphic format. Um, and also to realize that I had been reading for three hours and had only gotten through a small chunk of it. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is like reading a doorstopper fantasy novel. This is great. Um, uh, yeah, so I would I, I would definitely uh, uh, go and try and find some more fantasy books that are done in this style. Excellent. I, I do have some other recommendations or things that I, I hesitated about because I was like, mm, there's, I, I think these fit better. Um, but the reason that I wanted to ask that is I do, um, I, I do think that there are these sort of expectations of people sort of saying, well, I need to read, you know, 80 years of Superman to understand it. Mm-hmm. You do not. I think all stories are kind of metaphorical. You know, all stories have jumping on points and they're very Mm -hmm. easy to to get into. Um, So I do. This is something there where I would 
always, I do always say this, but I will reiterate this, go to your local comic shop and ask for your, um, ask for your, uh, ask for recommendations based on mm -hmm. what you have. Um, and I'm going to turn the table on you a little bit, because as I said, I do not really read a whole lot of sci-fi, I think, and fantasy. I think the last thing is book four of the Game of Thrones. So, yeah. uh, Make me some recommendations. Oh, no. Um, um, okay. Uh, first one would be, if you haven't read Redwall, it's worth the f four hours it'll take to read it. Um, just a beautiful, beautiful book um, that I will go back and reread every year or so. Um, uh, have you read any Brandon Sanderson? I have not. I have worked. I've worked in bookstores when at least four of them have been released, and I've had millions of people that I'm like, "Yes, here it is. Here it is. Here it is." Yeah. But I have not. Um, I tried when I was younger. I was in high school when the first Dragonlance series came out, the Dragons of Autumn Twilight, and all of those, and I wasn't able to make it through them. Not. I don't think because I thought they were bad. I think just because I didn't have any time to do it, I was you know, young and in high yeah. school and working and all of that. Um, and I don't think I, you know, now that I'm older and I don't have school tomorrow, I can actually take the time that yeah. I would have done my homework and actually read. Um, but I think I've kind of stayed away for the most part since then, except the times that I was emotionally blackmailed into reading Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, well, if you want something that's a little easier to get into just by dint of having much smaller books, the Mistborn trilogy is very fun. The one that made me fall head over heels in love with him is the Stormlight Archives. Um, I believe book number one is The Way of Kings. Um, uh, and it's just a, a, a crazy, sprawling, uh, beautifully written uh, series with uh, an incredible magic system that is so well thought out with such clear rewards and consequences. It's just very satisfying to read. Um, and the other one I'd recommend is N.K. Jemison, if you've ever read anything by her. Oh, I did read, what's the first one? Um, oh, they, yes, I read the first one and I loved it. Yeah, they did the Inheritance Trilogy, which is... That's it, yeah. Yeah, the Inheritance Trilogy was amazing. Um, and then I would recommend, I believe it's the Stone Earth Trilogy. Um but I actually haven't read through that one all the way because I read the first book and I loved it. And then I started reading the second book and I thought, wow, this is really interesting. It's such a, taking such a, a strange narrative choice to jump so far into the future. And then I got a quarter of the way through before I realized that I was reading the third book instead of the second. Um, uh. And so I have put it aside and I will return to it, but I'm looking forward to it because it is so well written and N.K. Jemisin is a dream. So those would be, uh, oh, and also R.A. Salvatore, if you're looking for some not super well-written, but very fun um, uh, books that take place in the D&D &D universe. Always looking for things that take place in the D&D &D universe. I, I, after 30 years, I'm kind of a nerd. You might like uh, The Cleric Quintet by him. It's a series of five books that follow the cleric Catterley, um, and uh, they're just very fun. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I will say, actually, when we started playing this new campaign of Dungeons mm. and Dragons, um, I had just reread ElfQuest, and the reason that I chose a cleric was because of Lita. Amazing. And I was the like, healer. Yeah. 
That, that oh, I, that's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> to know that's the inspiration. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I want to say thank you for joining us today, uh, Mateo. I really, really appreciate it. Um, we covered a lot of ground in a very short amount of time. And we had some very serious metaphorical conversations, which I think is really interesting. Um, and I think one of the things that I'm very glad about is that we picked comics that weren't necessarily um, what people always think of when they think of comics. Yeah. And yeah. thank you so much for having me and for recommending me. Neither of these are ones that I would have myself picked up off the shelf. And I'm so glad that I got to read both of them and talk about them with you. Excellent. Yay. So really, literally, except for Matthew Klein, so far I'm hitting a thousand. Oh, um, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. He did not, he did not like a book I recommended, but that's okay. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's all right. I, I live with the shame and embarrassment every day. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, but again, I want to thank you for joining us. This has been episode 21 of Comics Corner. Um, stay tuned for a very special uh, 25th episode, um, which I am about to send an email um, out to Josh, Matthew, and Kelly and get their approval on um, because I want to do something fun and different with it. Um, and once I get their approval, I will be able to tell you more about it. Uh, stay tuned for next week's episode of The Cruelest Month. Um, which I think is an episode of Heidi and Nora Don't Know Nerd Things. Um, please support your local comic stores. Um, you know, if you are not sure where they are, just go to comicshoplocator.com, type in your zip code, you will get a comic uh, uh, store in your area. Mateo, do you have any upcoming projects or social media that you want to plug? Yes, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but uh, I am uh, at Mateo Irvin Acts on Instagram. Uh, that's what I check most frequently. And uh, I'm going to be in a live improvised D&D show uh, November 9th, 16th, and December 7th at the Asylum in New York City. So should be fun. Excellent. I can't wait. All right. Well, you will have someone, you will have at least one fan there. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for joining us. Please uh, be safe, be well, and keep following us to understand why April is the cruelest month.